podcast world. What's up? Back at you, Chad Belding. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Gerber Knives. You know how important Gerber Knives has become to us, our family, our brands. We don't leave home without them. Our trucks, our boats, our blind bags, building blinds, cutting down trees, cutting down natural vegetation. Of course, only when you get the permission of the landowner, never do it on public property. You got to make sure that you take care of mother nature and God's green earth first. Leave the land better then you found it. When you leave, every shotgun hole is picked up, the blinds put back, the vegetation's put back. Obviously, you can't replant it, but make sure that you get permission first and then let that Gerber go to work. Today's episode of the This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast is also brought to you by our friends out of Lynchburg, Tennessee, Pure Americana. You talk about America, you talk about Jack Daniels. I don't know how many good times have been had over Jack Daniels. I don't know how many breakups have been fixed. I don't know how many tears have fallen, and Jack has been there to help you out. You've heard many country songs written and sang about Jack. He's the one and only Lynchburg, Tennessee. We're so proud of our affiliation and partnership with Jack Daniels USA. Check him out. Enjoy it responsibly and make sure that you keep your family and your friends your number one priority. Never let anything come in between that. I hope y'all are staying safe, staying at home during this quarantine. We are very privileged today. I'm excited as heck about this one. Got an old buddy up in the studio from Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised below the Appalachian Mountains in the state of Alabama. And he's been around our stuff, I'd say, for a good 10 years now. Drake White, how are you, my brother? I'm doing great, man. What's going on? Buddy, I'm just over here trying to freestyle an intro like you can do those Friday freestyles that you do on the bus and all that. You know, you got pretty known for being the, uh, I don't know if the white rapper is the right thing to say, but you have a very good, um, you have a very good ability to see words before they're supposed to be seen and know what words need to be placed. And I think that has a lot to do with vision and being a visionary and being able to use a key concept that I always learned in athletics was visualization. So I kind of think that you have a very quick mind that can visualize a situation quick, allowing you to rhyme words faster than the normal human being. Does that make sense? Or, uh, or is it just that you write them down and then trick everybody and it's not really a freestyle? <laughs> no, it's uh it's it's really just ever since I was a kid, I've been able to visualize uh, whether it was a creek bank I was sitting on or, or the river or a beach or the mountains. I've got those pictures in my head and I know where I want to land. And as far as rhyming, uh, you know, I, I love country music. I love um, Americana and soul and funk. But, man, I, I really my sister was three years older than me. And. uh she loved Sublime. She loved Eminem. She loved Tupac. She loved all these guys that were real rapid in it. And so I listened to those syncopations and those, the way they phrase stuff and the way, you know, the way they did stuff like that. And I just started kind of realizing that I could do that by, by putting the vision in my head and just going off, off cuff. And, uh, you know, I like that spontaneous kind of crash or burn type of, uh, feeling I get, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing something, um, that is, that's live and real. And, and so, yeah, the, the vision is from experiences that I've had. And then I just kind of go off cuff with it and, and let it go. And when you say crash your bird, the, the secret of it is that no matter how good of a rhymer or a rapper you are, or visionary, like you, you mentioned Eminem and he's a favorite of mine. I know that he can get a little nasty, but I kind of let that part of it go and just kind of see his raw talent and, 
when you crash and burn and you get to somewhere where that word might not make sense or the word that you're rhyming, you the secret is not really a cover up or pulling the wools, but it's just like a quick transition into the next thought and the next vision and taking the listener's mind off of what could have been deemed a mistake. Now, all of a sudden, it's just considered flow. Yeah, that that's the craftsmanship of the of the flow of being really good. And I'm not putting myself in that same category as, as, uh, as Eminem by any means, because he's the best in the world, probably the best of all time, best that ever will be. Um, and you're right. You know, it's, it is really going to a place and almost throwing it in reverse. When you feel your mind go into a certain stance, stance saying, Oh, I can't, I can't really understand why I went that way, but I come back anyway. Everybody says every day that I got to go back. And I'm not a rapper by any means, but I write like this. And this is how I kind of flow and do do my things. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. You can back out of it and make it a witty thing. Um, that's a successful crash and burn and then lift back off and escape the wolves, if you will. Yeah, kind of escape the wolves. Have you, have you, uh, you and Alex have during this downtime of the quarantine, have you guys did what they called the uh, Netflix and chill. Have you guys been doing a lot of Netflixing or are you guys more of the sit on the back porch and listen to the turkeys and the, and watch the birds feed and the deer feed? I know you yeah. enjoy nature, but are you guys watching any TV at all right now? Um, I think there's a balance uh, in between those two. Of course, we're watching, um, we're watching TV, we're watching Netflix. I, I love this new thing called masterclass. A buddy of mine, excuse me, that Jonathan Harris that has a, an awesome real estate company here in Nashville called Scout. He, uh, he gifted us this thing called Masterclass. And Chad, this, this thing is like everybody from Jordan to uh, Wolfgang Puck, uh, they tell that they're like hour-long episodes and they tell you how they did what they did. And they go in and I believe that if you want to do something great. Just ask, you know, I've told you that a lot of times as to ask, go to somebody that you respect that is already doing it, that has already done it and ask them how they did it. And so we've been watching some of that, but, um, have you watched, well, the, have you watched the one on, sorry to interrupt, but have you watched the one on, um, and I haven't seen any of them, but I saw this guy on another show. His, his he owns a place called Franklin Barbecue in Austin, Texas. Have you watched his yet? And if you haven't, no. you need to. I've heard from several people his master class on brisket is on a different level of barbecue. And yeah. um, it's on that master class series with Wolfgang Puck and a couple other. I'm really into cooking right now and barbecuing and grilling out. So I'm that dude's in Austin, Texas. He's he's gotta be maybe fifty right now, and he's he serves a hundred and seventy briskets a day. Think about how big a brisket is on a 16 hour cook. He's doing 170 of them a day. That's unreal. That's man. how, that's how big his restaurants gotten. Yeah. I've, I've heard of this. I, I, I want to, I'm going to check it out um, tonight. Maybe. Um, well, with that being said, the reason I asked about Netflix is they have a show on there that my brother Clint turned me on to Drake called evolution of rap or evolution of hip hop. Have you seen that yeah. previewed? Yeah. Yeah. I've watched oh, I've it. it I've watched, I've watched every one of them, dude. And when they got to that, they got to that Eminem when they, they introduced the battles of Detroit. And then they talked about this white kid coming up that all of a sudden everybody's like, man. And then at the very end of that episode, Busta Rhymes goes, he's the best MC I've ever heard in my life. And I was just like, for Busta Rhymes to say that you got to be like, man, he's, he's just on a different level. And the other show that I've been watching on Netflix a lot, comes off of the movie that John Favreau did called the chef. Have you ever seen that movie? 
Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I haven't seen the movie, but I know what you're talking about. So that that movie, he's a high-end chef at a five-star restaurant, I believe in L.A. or Dallas. The owner irritates him and talks down to him, and he quits, and he loses all of his love for food. And he moves to Miami, and he falls in love with this Cuban girl, and they open up a food truck serving the Cuba, the Cubano sandwich, and he yeah. finds he finds this passion that is undeniable, and he just go he goes and visits that place, Franklin. The reason I'm telling you this is because there's a tie into that Franklin barbecue, but the whole movie is is showing how you can keep your passion for something even through a downtime and how that love and passion and vision can carry you out of a rough time. So he's taken that movie that was a Hollywood, it wasn't a smash, but it was good. And John Favreau, I mean, he directed Iron Man. He's made all them movies with Vince Vaughn. He's a genius in Hollywood. He, um, he, he comes off of it and he has a show called The Chef Show on there with Chef Choi, who's a very qualified 50-year-old Asian chef that's on another level of food. So I sit there finding myself just getting intrigued and inspiration out of this Hollywood movie star, you know, this movie producer and this this Asian chef who is on a different, he's like the M&M of food. I mean, this dude just freestyle stuff. And then he's like sitting there like a mad scientist watching like how slow stuff's melting and drippings and all this stuff. And he just, yeah. it's, it's just the bomb. So Check the chef show out too, but I, I I really think that that evolution of hip hop really showed like the history of something that people could really just deem that you know that was kind of ghetto or whatever. People when I was growing up, man, I really fell in love with hip hop and rap and break dancing and all of that. And so when you start to freestyle, I get kind of intrigued by it because I I have often tried to figure out how a human being like like Tech Nine or Eminem or some of these guys that just have un, you know undeniable flow, how you can piece words so fast together like that. It just it's a very very hard trait to have and. And when you go from like a normal country song that you've written or an Almond Brothers song or something, and then all of a sudden you go into this freestyle and then you bring it back into that song, that's even more the better to where you can tie the two together. So it's just a really cool talent to have to be able to have flow like that. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for recognizing it. I mean, I it's one of those natural things that I didn't have to try to do. I feel like I've had to work my ass off at, at everything. I've always had to hit bat and practice longer. I've always had to practice more to, to, to be at a, a level, which has gotten me where, I, where, you know, the type of character that, that I have today. But um, that has always been kind of natural um, to me. And, and I want to, I want to mention this, that John Prine just passing away like if you listen to the way he puts words, which if y'all don't know the listeners out there, if they don't know John Prine's catalog, brothers and sisters, get into that sucker. It is, it is cosmic cowboy genius type stuff. And every songwriter that's, you know, hat dives into John Prine and John Prine would fill the gaps where most songwriters would let those gaps would let a melody fill that. Um, he would fill those gaps with words, Chad. And, and he did it in a way that it, it, it felt like it fit. And that's the, that's the secret, making it just feel seamless. And uh, I was enamored by that, you know, with John Prine and, and his ability to do that. So we're not just talking about, I mean, we just literally went from Eminem to freestyling to John Prime and they're kind of one and the same. They're different, but we're all, putting words into uh, uh, Bob Dylan. He just rambles, you know, and it's just a ramble, a, a conjunction of words, of nouns, of pronouns, of verbs. And it just all comes out and makes sense. That's just the way his brain works, you know, 
And so we're talking about the same type of mindset from Bob Dylan to John Prime to Eminem to Buster Rhymes to these DJs to young kids, you know, to Sublime to to there's a there's a mindset there, you know. It's really cool. And there's a rabbit hole. You can definitely go down. Oh, you can. And when you talk about a catalog like his, and I got into John's music very, very late in life compared to like the the Bo Cephas or the hat you're wearing in Alabama. You know, I grew up on that and Merle and Willie and the original Outlaws, Waylon. But John, when you really start to to study him and how far back he goes with Johnny Cash and Willie and the songs he wrote with them. And then when you start getting into like the bruised orange album or like the tree of forgiveness, which came later in his career, which I really just got into that album. Cause I was more of the dear Abby, the fishing whistle, the angel from Montgomery. And I, and I'd listen to Bonnie Raitt hit that song or Susan Tedeschi hit that song. And I'd just be like, you have, you can't write a finer song in my opinion. And then the reason I'm talking about the, the catalog in that song, I end on that song specifically is that in one of the songs that you wrote called back to free, you have a line that, 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 uh, it doesn't compare to, but it parallels the last verse of Angel from Montgomery, meaning this man will go to work and he'll come home and he'll sit across that four foot table over his corn on the cob and his steak and not have a word to say to his wife that he hadn't seen in the last 10 hours. And you were saying the same thing kind of in, in, in uh, Back to Free. I think you were kind of about how you're, you, you sit in your easy chair and everybody's on their phones, but nobody's talking. And, and you wordsmithed it in a way that was kind of parallel to the same thing that John Prine was executing in Angel from Montgomery. By no means like copying it or, or, or I'm not saying that at all, but when I heard no. you say that, I was like, damn, that's what these guys are saying, man. They're literally 20 years later, Drake White is saying the same thing that back then John Prine was noticing it, that people were living together under the same roof and they were having a hard time communicating and keeping that love flow going. You know what I mean? That's what I took out of the, you know, how the hell, how the hell does somebody go to work all day and come home and have nothing to say? That's crazy. That's crazy. But then if you listen to songs like knocking on your screen door and some of the older stuff uh, that was like on bruised orange, you're right. Like he puts words in there to where you have to stop and think like, did he mean to say that? Or was he just, or is he just rambling on? And he just, he just had execution and he had deliberate, he had a deliberate reason for putting those words together. Mm, Absolutely. Have you ever heard anybody compare that line and back to freak into angel from Montgomery? No, no, that's a, that's a great parallel there. And it, it, it's really, it's a really cool, almost kind of, um, prophecy type thing, not to say that word and freak everybody out, but it's almost like, you know, people, people are on the phone. People are so connected. And that's why we are, that's why things like this are so good, whether we're talking to each other in a duck blind or or sitting around cooking something, handing somebody food, you know, what Alex is doing with milk and honey right now. And, you know, being, having conversation around a fire, what I've built my culture around, what you built your culture around, that is, that is something that people, that this quarantine for sure, I think people are really yearning for that. You know, they're, they're, I know I am, and I always have been. And I think that's where the, the, the good stuff comes from. When you jump down the rabbit hole of, you know, conservation or hunting or food or whatever it is, as long as you will, will really jump down there and focus. And right now, 
for me and you, you're the most important conversation uh, in the world to me right now. And it, and if we can if we can take that if we can take that type of mentality to each and have that type of respect for each of our conversations with people, for each of our shows, for each of our hunting opportunities. And I know we'll get to this, but I mean, all of that stuff was pulled out from under me for a second where I couldn't go do it, man. And I appreciate it so much now that when I'm, when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I truly, whether it be in a bar or it be uh, in Yosemite or it be in, you know, a duck blind outside of Stuttgart, you know, I want to, I want to go there and I want to be present. And I think that that's what music, that's what cooking demands. If you'll, if you'll stay present with that brisket, it'll be better. If you'll stay present with that wife, with that relationship, it'll be better. If you'll have the conversation with that song and really go through um, it's just, it just goes deeper than the bathtub, you know, really concentrate on the depth of things. And everybody's not geared like that, man. I understand that, but I think everybody can be geared with the golden rule type of mentality of when I have this conversation, I'm going to look in this man or this woman's eyes and I'm going to, I'm going to care. Yep. No, I, 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 I think you're a hundred percent, 100%. Right. And obviously you mentioned, you know, having the rug pulled out from under you. And I think that, you know, you could use that same analogy for a lot of Americans and other people around the world the last, you know, four or five weeks that we have had the rug pulled out from under us in a way to where it started small and, and they were just tugging on it and they were tugging on it. And they're like, well, get ready for this kind of, well now baseball, well now NBA, well now hockey's and then, and then it was concerts and then every tour. And then they just kept pulling that rug. And then all of a sudden it got to where it is now to where now I'm a 45 year old man and I haven't left my house in 27 days. The only time I've left my house is to drive my daughter to her mom. And we don't even go in each other's homes. We're being so protected because she has a little bit of an asthma diagnosis and we're being very, very protective of Alyssa Riley's lungs and her and her respiration. So I, I'm looking at it like that rug was just inched and inched and inched. And now my friend Jim Ray, who I cook with consistently, texted me last night and all it said was this sucks. And we can take it. We're disciplined enough to where we get it and we're going to follow our leadership and we're going to come out finer. But if you don't realize that this sucks and you don't think about what we take for granted on a daily basis, moving into the bigger picture of what you have faced over the last year, which I'll transition into is that you've been in a quarantine per se for a lot longer than what this, what this coronavirus has handed down to a lot of the American society communities and different homes right now. So what I'm taking away from it is that focus on that brisket, that focus on that grilled cheese for Alyssa, the focus on her when we're playing a math game. The other day we had two cars stop on our street and just sit there with the windows up and smile and give us a thumbs up because we were doing jumping jacks, father and daughter in the driveway, and then getting down on these mats and doing crunchies together. She's got her, she got her orange belt in MMA, uh, mixed martial arts, and now she's in jujitsu, not to be a fighter, but to get confidence. And so she's really into just, you know, staying limber and she's out there and she wants to run around and jump around and be active and it's letting me see like 
man, it's not about just her going out by herself and running around. I want to be present there and see what, how she's transitioning in from this kid into this athlete, into this little, you know, this is this little Ginger. angel, you know, just, she's just a stud. And I see all these kicks and how high she can kick. And when you really start to stop and dissect that brisket or that conversation, it, it, it means so much more. You take so much out of it. And I hope that people are starting to understand that going to a little league game or a dance recital or a barbecue or a Drake white concert or a whatever it is, a baseball game to watch Andrew Kashner pitch. I've done it all. I saw the stuff that got canceled off my schedule in March and April. And there's a reason for that because you know, God and the higher powers wanted us to slow down probably and see what's important. But I was going to be back in Nashville. Seeing you, NRA convention, seeing Bobby Johnson, being at the Whiskey Bend on Broadway, all of those special nights that have happened over the last, you know, 10, 12 years when that rug's pulled out from under you. And I think that you're going to be able to talk about this on a much bigger level because that kind of concerns, you know, what, what you did as far as being alive, in my opinion. I mean, I think that you're going to talk to that and you can educate us. But the reason I'm transitioning into that, Drake, is that. You have a huge fan base in what we do. You have a lot of people that write in. Just yesterday, just yesterday, I promise, I was talking to Tyler Jordan at Realtree. He's in, he was going to church last night at 7 o'clock, and we, we, were, we were getting into a conversation, and he said, how's Drake White? And he caught me off guard. Just out of the blue, he just goes, how's Drake White? And I was like, so we get that a lot from our fans right in. Hey, is, we heard Drake White's song on the, on, the, on the show. How is he doing, right? So... In February of 2019, you and I sat down for a lunch meeting in the afternoon there in Nashville at the scoreboard, and you had told me that you were diagnosed with, and I'm going to let you take it from here, you were had been given a diagnosis of something called AVM that was probably from your childhood, right? Yeah, I was in the embryonic stage of, of formation. Uh, a mass in the back right side of my mobile cortex of my brain formed. Um, and just picture it as a, as a lime, like it's about the size of a lime and it's in the, in the back. It was in the back right side of my head right here. And uh very long story short, we were in the process of gluing that sucker shut, embolizing it. One of the best uh, neurologists and brain surgeons here in Nashville, uh, his name is Dr. Miracle, actually, which is phenomenal. That's his real name? That's his real name. Spelled, it's, it's, spelled it's, like? It's M-E-R-I-C-L-E. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Well, but, and I know that you're telling this, and I'm not interrupting you, but before you no, no. leave this part of the story, Drake, will you please tell the audience what that procedure entailed as far as the amount of line and how they how they how they executed that on your on, in, in your brain? So when let me let me regress a little bit. Um, how I, most people have a have a stroke like thing and just either die or, or are really debilitated their whole life is how they discover these things. They're, they're super hard to discover. Well, I was working out pretty hard. I was, I felt really good and I was in really good shape. New band was cranking. Everybody was doing their thing. And, uh, I was doing these really high intensity workouts and, uh, got this headache where I couldn't even stand. I couldn't even look at light. And this was in January of 2019. So that landed me in an MRI machine. After the MRI, it revealed this AVM 
which was just a, it's a wad of veins and arteries that form in the that formed in the embryonic stage. Um, only one percent of these suckers of AVMs are in your are in people's brains. So right then, I was like, you know, one in ten million. Uh, I, I don't know if that number is exactly correct, but it was it was out there. And so what what do we do as men? We go in and I say, okay, what's the solution? Okay, we're going to go glue this thing shut through a series of embolizations that I'm going to run a line, a catheter up your femoral artery and run it all the way up the backside of your neck and access that lime like, you know, lump of arteries and veins that you don't need. It's been robbing your brain of adequate blood flow for your whole entire life, right? And I'm going to squeeze that glue through that catheter and glue that AVM shut over the course of six surgeries. And we're going to do that because the brain doesn't like sudden things. It likes, it'll, it'll handle grant gradual things, but it doesn't like sudden things. So we're in the process of doing that dude. And he goes, the good news is you're going to be able to, I said, well, can I perform? Absolutely. You're going to be able to perform within 48 hours of having these surgeries. So what I do, I have my first surgery on Wednesday and thir- uh, sorry, Monday. And then Thursday, we were on the bus headed to the first show. And Friday I was, I was playing and felt fine. Um, had some blood pressure medicine and that was all that was needed. Um, so I go through four of these surgeries and everything's fine. We've got 75%, 80% of the AVM embolized. And I feel, I feel really good because my, my first mindset was like, because being the relentless optimism optimist that I am was, man, I've been doing pretty good with this inadequate blood flow my whole entire life. If I can get adequate blood flow at 35 years old, then I may can write like Dylan or, or play guitar like Jimi Hendrix. You know, that was what I, my mindset was like. And, uh, so the fourth one, uh, came and went and I felt, I, I felt fine. I felt energetic because this thing was almost whooped, you know? And, um, man, I came, we went to Roanoke, Virginia, and it was set to go to Roanoke, Virginia. And, uh, and, uh, Myrtle beach, South Carolina. And we would, we would never make it to the beach because in Roanoke, um, I was singing, it feels good. And I go really hard on, it feels a good, baby, good, baby, baby, yeah. And it was about 98 degrees and I'm squeezing and pushing. And I felt something pop in my head and my whole, my left arm, my left leg, my head went down like this to the left side. And I can just explain it as somebody, it felt like somebody had two sets of pliers trying to pull my head open from the inside and my whole left side wouldn't work. So literally all the band, all the music, all the new management, all the new music, everything was, was gone. You know, I woke up in the hospital, you know, the next day couldn't, couldn't move my toes. That's, that's, that's an outdoorsman. That's, that's a man's, a woman's worst nightmare. You can't move your toes. And so Alex, 
drove through the night seven hours from Nashville when she heard. But wait a minute, Drake. This is on stage. This isn't this isn't a dry run or or a rehearsal or a sound check. This is the concert. Yeah, this was this was a show in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, three songs in, we go from the transition in between "It Feels Good" into "The Coast Is Clear," which me and Leaf Lofton wrote. Um, You're holding the microphone. The band's starting to do the the musical inter- interlude and the intro into "Coast Is Clear," and you have already felt the pop. But you're going to try to continue. You don't know what's going on, and you're getting ready to start a new song. Yeah, I, I hand my guitar to my sound guy, Greg. And uh, I felt I felt the pop, but I was like, I was going to just kind of tough out and shake it off and tough my way through it. And when I went, it, there's like an organ padding like you're in church. And when I went to sing, the coast is clear. When I went to get those words out, I couldn't speak. And I couldn't, I couldn't like, um, it's a nightmare. Like my, my arm is just, would just wouldn't, I was gripping onto the mic and I was having to concentrate really hard on just holding onto the mic, just like standing there. And Greg came over in my, my monitors and said, Hey, Drake, are you all right? The next thing I know, I've, I kind of fall over and he catches me and they pull me off, pull me off the stage. And the next thing I remember is I woke up in the hospital. So, the ambulance is called your, or does the band rush you there? And then is it, is it something to where this hot, this hospital was prepared for what you're getting ready to go in there to do? Or did you have to get flown back to Nashville right away? No, that see, that's a total, another miracle. It's a total God thing and, and a faith thing too. Like we, we play in BFE man, everywhere, all over the, the world. And we were five minutes from a trauma one level unit in Roanoke. And they, there was an ambulance there at the event. So I had, I had medical people grabbing me immediately. And we had a folder in my bag that had all my, the AVM and all the, the verbiage of it. And so they were reading it and had all that. It was a blessing that I had it in the middle of a show because who's the focus in the middle of a show? You are. So if I would have been somewhere hunting with you, I'd have been dead, man. If I'd have been somewhere playing in the middle of Ohio or the middle of New Mexico, I'd have been dead because I was, they were able to get me in the ambulance that was already at the show. And within 20 minutes, I was in the care of a neurologist that was on the phone with Dr. Miracle in Nashville saying, what do we need to do? Dr. Miracle is one of the best in the, the world of all time at this. Talk about a rabbit hole. He he's he's the best at brain at this. So he goes in and says, You need to administer him, you know, it, it, it's like think of it as like a he coagulated that brain bleed. My brain was bleeding and it was bleeding bleeding profuse. I was throwing up everywhere and just going in and out of consciousness. And, uh, he administered through an IV. He told the doctor, do this, 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 and this got the brain bleed to stop, which allowed me to, I mean, this left hand moving is a miracle, Chad, this left leg moving is a miracle. And it was because I was so close to getting one-on-one attention with people that knew how to, to, to stop this brain bleed. 
I have uh, to I have to ask this, Drake, and you can tell me if you don't want to answer it. One hundred percent between friends and a hundred percent transparency right now, and I know a lot of more people are gonna hear this. You were you were released by Dr. Miracle to perform at the Drake White level of performance, which is not normal. It's stomping to climbing rafters to jumping off speakers to almost Axl Rose stage dive in some some nights to a level of heart rate probably into the 160 range blood pressure up you were released to perform at the Drake White normal Drake White level of a performance yes wow. sure and wow. I'll explain this because the people that love me the most my parents my wife you know they asked that question, you know, why did my friends, why did, why was Drake out there doing that? Because music, I can't not do it. I, I have to be out there doing it. And, and Dr. Miracle knew that I would heal at a much larger, quicker rate if I could continue to do what I did. Cause I found my passion, right? The, the catch here is the blood pressure. I was 75% through this, 80% through this thing and doing well. I mean, I you got to keep in mind, I'd had four, three surgeries prior to, to this one and was doing great. And Dr. Miracle gave me a, a blood pressure pill and I forgot to take it. And that's not even necessarily the reason that this happened. He said, he said it could have happened anyway, so don't beat yourself up about not taking the blood pressure pill. But I would, I was taking precaution. I was safe uh, in, in the fact that I wasn't going, I wasn't climbing to the top of the rafters. Well, I was some, I got to admit. I was doing, I was still doing what I did, but I was picking my spots and, and and being careful about it. But don't Drake, don't you think that somebody in some way in some kind of voice somewhere was telling you to slow down for a minute? I don't understand your mentality of you can perform just with a guitar and and your boots on in a chair with no band and entertaining wow a crowd. Wasn't there a sense? I guess where I'm going with this is I just can't imagine your brain being under that much trauma for four surgeries out of the six. You got two left. I just, I just, I just can't imagine the energy level that you can put into a show being able to be put into a show under those circumstances. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. Well, that energy, that energy was backed off some. It I mean, was. It, it was not, it was not like straight up Eddie bettering every show, you know, I, I went and I picked my spots. I drank a lot of water. You know, we, I wasn't drinking any alcohol. We were taking the proper precautions and the medicine and it was working. And the show was definitely altered to fit me. I, I was super careful in that because, I mean, obviously what happened had a 4% chance of happening. This thing rupturing was a very, very small chance. And actually it being embolized and almost closed, it lessened the percentage lessened. So we're talking like 2% less than 2% chance of it doing it. Well, let me ask you this. Are you feeling anything that day in Roanoke leading up to even getting to the venue? Are you, are you tired? Are you dizzy? Are you on the bus, like kind of feeling the flu or throwing up or having stomach issues going into sound check or anything? No, I ran into a sign 
earlier that day coming back from lunch on my left side and like left side neglect that was a that was uh, no pun intended a sign that that I remembered after the fact but I mean I run into shit all the time you know so you're walking on a sidewalk and you hit uh, hit a sign and you're yeah. and with your personality your bandmates and your friends are probably like oh Drake's just trying to do a stunt or trying to jump over something yeah. or you know because you guys are always doing challenges or wrestling around right but yeah. this this yeah. was maybe a sign that your left side was telling you like look something's getting ready bigger to happen maybe yeah that 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 my brain was starting to react and it was shutting down my left side, left side neglect. It's what it's called. So that could have been it, man. We could go, could have, would have, should have all day long. And, and it, and it really, it, there's a lot of those things when you're talking about uh, brain surgeries and stuff like that. But from a professional standpoint, Dr. Miracle said, if you take these precautions, we can, we can do this and you can still perform. And we just altered the show to fit, you know, um, to fit that and to be safe. And we were being safe. Um, I did forget the blood pressure medicine and I, and I beat myself up about that a little bit. Um, but you know, the things that have happened out of this, the, the, the relationship that me and my wife, Alex, how close we've got, how close I've got spiritually to, to my maker. Um, I know, and what this new music represents for me, how much I've been able to dive down into it and focus and concentrate on that. And my fans, different level seeing stuff, all those, seeing all those letters and all those things. I know that this has had, happened for a reason there was a specific reason and i know that's a cliche people say it all the time things happen for a reason but dad gummit it's true yeah but in order for you to see that in order for you to witness that love you had to stay alive okay so now yeah. you're in the trauma center alex is on a seven hour drive from nashville tennessee to roanoke virginia i assume mr and mrs white are leaving Alabama and driving north to Roanoke, Virginia, up the eastern seaboard. So now you got family coming. You got your loved wife who you've who the story of that is amazing in, in you and Alex relationship. Now there's fear and a lot more than just Drake White because now the family's been notified. Your fans were left standing there. No every the news reports are coming out that something happened to Drake White. We're all getting secondhand. I'm trying to call Alex and she doesn't know she's literally texting me saying, I don't know anything yet. So now yeah. there's the fear of the they unknown. Can't tell her anything. Yeah. So now now there's the fear of the unknown for your family that's driving up there, which has got to be one of the worst feelings in the world for any human being to have to experience. Alex from Nashville, your mom and dad from Alabama, take me through when you wake up now, because there's a lot of life and a lot of work and a lot of things that go in to way before this new music even gets to be pinned to paper, right? Yeah. Um, man take you through the, you know, I woke up really, really, um, severe pain, um, stone, my, my tour manager, my team, I could hear people praying around me and, but I was going in and out of consciousness and, and throwing up a lot. And, um, so I can, I can remember that stuff getting to the hospital. I can remember that. And I can remember asking, begging for relief for pain medication in a 
I couldn't. They were uh, begging for some type of relief, like begging God to give me like some type of relief from my headache. Um, because we're talking about there's not a level of pain that I can describe. I would imagine getting shot in the head would feel like this, like pregnancy, maybe. Um, it was it was an ex- so excruciating that consciousness was in and I was going in and out. And they didn't, they couldn't administer me any pain medication because they wanted me cognitive because it was a brain bleed and they wanted to make sure that my brain could be, because it was, it was a limbo in between brain dead and like, they have to make choices, the the medical stuff. So they wanted me cognitive. So stone kept saying they can't, they, they said, no, they can't give any pain medication because they want you. They kept asking me my name, my birthday and where I was at. And I'd say Drake, why 10, you know, Roanoke, Virginia. And man, all I got to say is that when you get to a place like that, God becomes very real. The veil is lifted. The spiritual thing, like the Holy Spirit is right there. If you're, I think if you're a believer or not a believer, you have to cling on to something that is like, help me. Yeah. I mean, you're, 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 it's life and death. It's like, you have a, you're, you're on the brink of like dying. So I was just really concentrating on talking to God. And, and I just remember thinking, Hey, as long as I keep breathing, I'm alive. And I've got a lot, I got a lot to live for and I got a lot of things. So just stay calm and keep breathing. So as I would go in and out of consciousness, I would just take breaths and I would think about, Oh man, I, I would think about us standing in the timber in pray, at Prairie Wings. I would think about water skiing on the Coosa. I would think about my dad lifting me up on his shoulders, me singing in front of 30,000 people at Fenway. You know, I would think about those things. And that's what, that's, you know, what lifted me through all the stuff, man. That's what kept me alive until. You know, I could get to a place where, where I wasn't fighting for my life, where I was. So that's what the first, you know, 48 hours in the hospital was like. And, and what, what, when you're saying your, your name and your birth date and your location, are you cognitive of what you're saying? Like, do you feel like those people are in the room with you and you're just having a normal conversation or could you, were you laying there and you, you were just kind of like, not really, I don't know if zombies the right word, but were you just spitting that stuff out? Because it was, I just can't f- believe that you could remember even that stuff. So kind of what state are you in to even be able to have a conversation with your manager, Scott? Uh, stone stone. Yeah. Sorry. No, it was the doctors asking me this, these questions. Um, and so that's part of the cognitive test to be able to register what they're asking you. Hey, Drake. Yeah. Where are you at? Roanoke, Virginia. What's your birthday? 10, I was in that state. I was in a state where I could do that. That's why the pain was so severe. 
because I was cognitive. There was nothing wrong with the cognitive part of my brain. Let me be clear here in that the brain bleed affected the circuit board that, that ran my left side. It didn't affect the, the thing that makes you able to think and speak. All that is ran is ran on the right side of your brain. That's right brain stuff. Your brain split down the middle, right? So it's left brain, right brain. The, I got to make sure that I'm, I'm saying this right, but the right side of my brain was affected. The mobile and the right side of your brain controls the left side of your body. So the left side of the brain is all my cognitive thoughts, all of my thinking, all of my speech, all of that stuff. Because think about if it would have been on the other side, I wouldn't have been able to sing. I wouldn't have been able to write. I wouldn't have been able to think. You talk about that's the worst fear. That's the worst fear, I think, for any man or woman to not be able to think for yourself, man. That's another level of, of, oh, man, you know, having having your wife having to to wipe your ass is one thing, (laughs) but not being able to think and being a vegetable that that's, that's a big time fear. You know, that's, that's, that's the end of the road for me, you know? So do you think while you're laying in this bed and you're having these thoughts of the timber and the stage and the Fenway and, and everything that you, is this Drake White's life flashing before his eyes? Or is this you cognitively being able to place optimistic, positive thinking still to this day, you know, you've always had that outlook. You've always been that, that guy that can get in there and motivate somebody and get somebody to think the right way. So are you cognitively putting these thoughts together or is this your life flashing before your eyes because you're scared to death right now? Like you don't know if you're going to be alive in the next 10 minutes. Um, I don't think the latter ever entered my mind. Um, I was not going to die. I, I thought I, I thought I might, but I, I, <clears throat> I realized that's when the training kicks in and that is when, you know, going through, uh, meditation, going through athletics, going through all the stuff that we do to keep our minds and to keep our bodies going and, and, and in tip top shape, that's where it kind of kicked in for me was that's what I was doing. I was, I was going into incantations, uh, which is repeating stuff over and over and over that there's a purpose for this. There's a thing. That's where my faith kicked in that, that God has a purpose in all this and, and that the struggle is real and that embrace the struggle. Uh, my buddy says, embrace the suck. Like, because man, that's where I was. That's what, so to answer your question, my life wasn't flashing before my eyes. I don't, I never really cared. Took it there. Um, it was a very spiritual kind of Holy spirit other realm type of feeling. But I never thought that I was, I always thought that I was in this earth, you know, that's kind of trippy. You know, it was really trippy, but it was like, it was kind of cool. I mean, can I say that? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really, it was really kind of cool, especially once I got the pain meds and went into that, that realm of, of being comfortable. Um, because I was talking, I was talking to, to like the, the spiritual side of things. I was talking to myself, telling myself that it was going to be okay, that I had stuff to live for. And then remembering those things like that, just 
I think the endorphins were released from my, my brain, just going over and over and over and doing that. And that came from, that's what I do when I'm nervous, when I'm about to go on stage at Fenway and, or if I'm about to go, because what do we do as leaders is, is if we, if something makes us nervous or if something makes us scared, we need to go towards it probably. You know what I mean? So in saying that, I had, I, it was almost like all of that stuff that I had done had prepared me for that moment. And now obviously all the rehab and we'll get into that, but all the therapy and all that, that stuff is preparing me for the next moment, the next thing. But uh, I don't think it was life flashing before my eyes, but I, I just think it was, it was how I combated, um, you know, being in the amount of pain that I was in and being in the situation I was in, I just kept going back to, the the things that I had accomplished and the things that and I still do that to this day, you know. Uh, does so, your does a man does a man of of your you know your posit your positivity level, your optimistic level, <clears throat> your leadership ability, the things that you just told, you just said, your training took in, it took play, it it kicks in right then starts to give you the ability. Now you're, you're, you're in a, you're in a survival mode. You, you're a leader, you're a provider. It's time to go into survival mode because people are dependent on you, your band, your family, your wife, your friends. Yeah. Do you as a man of a, you're, you're a, you're a Southern Christian. You believe in a higher power. Did you question yourself in anything at, when you start to come out of this, do you ever start to get in any negative thoughts personally? about was your faith question was your route in life question was the way that you were conducting your business as far as just drake white does any of this come into question that something was telling you that something needs to change because when i with the way that i think sometimes drake white is i'm like that happened for a reason and that told me that something something either is needs to change with me or with the situation and being a leader, I'm trying to be better in life of going, you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person. I'm going to change something. I'm going to make sure that I continue to become better. Do you start to question yourself ever when something this traumatic happens? Do you think of it as something that's slapping you in the head saying, look, you need to chill for a second and think about this. Or did you question your faith? Does any of that come into effect? Because you, you are a guy that is in deep thought all of the time. So you've got to be thinking about everything. Yeah. Um, Does the question make sense? Yeah. I'm just trying to, um, to think about, I question, I question, I think that's what makes, makes, the songs and makes the music and makes everything go and, and really makes me strong faith wise too, is, is, is the act of questioning everything, you know, I, I mean, I question my faith, you know, all the time because it strengthens it. You know, I don't question it in the fact of, is it real? I choose to believe this way, but I think the, to answer your question, I'm always questioning, you know, how I can do something different or what, what I was doing here, watching video of a show or, you know, a different, you know, a different setup to a tree stand or a duck, you know, questioning everything, uh, is, is what I do. You know, it's what, what we do as leaders. And, um, 
I'm not trying to be diplomatic in the answer. I'm trying to be honest in the fact that it just strengthened my belief in, in we don't even have the hours and the time to go through all the God things that happened. But at the end of the day, the answer is yes. I did question why I was sitting there. I was pissed off. There has been horrible times at 2.30 in the morning waking up on the side of the bed. Why? Why am I going through this? Why? Absolutely. Absolute question, you know. But at the end of the day, the resolve is always, it's going to be all right. It's okay. You went through this for a reason, and it's making you better. It's making your story deeper. It's make it's helping people. How are you going to react coming out of it as 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 a man, as a husband, as a leader, as a friend? How are you going to um how are you going to write about it? How's it going to be? What's it going to be? Is it going to be the the victor mentality or the victim mentality? Is is cliche as that is like well i don't think it's cliche i think that you have the ability to inspire in and and take this story yeah to turn it into something to where you don't have to necessarily have avm to go through hell and 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 to keep coming out of it because a lot of people don't have the wiring to get out of a sad situation or a grieving process of the loss of a loved one or something happens where they get put into a position where can they pull out of it? And now you're in a position, not, not just emotionally or mental, because this is a big time mental process that's getting ready to take place of the, the questions and waking up at two thirty in the morning. And now, but now you're physically, you know, handicapped for a minute. Yeah. I don't mean to say handicapped in a way that I'm looking at you and you're handicapped. I'm not meaning that at all. I'm saying that at this time you were handicapped. You couldn't get up and live the Drake white life. And then now you wake up and you have what I consider the way that I've thought of your wife ever since I've met her. And you've, you've said this before of she has angel angel characteristics, right? Alex white has Alex Mize was her maiden name. She has angel characteristics. So now I've picture this angel standing over you that now her whole her whole life has changed now because she's on a mission. She's building businesses. She's got catering going. She's into fashion. She knows Jesse, Jesse James Decker. She's got a lot of cool vibes going to Nashville. And now her world changes, right? It's not just yours. Now her world changes. And now you have this angel there because I, in my heart, you're as tough some bitch as I've ever met. Right. But I don't know if you could do this on your own, what you've done in the last year. I, that might be, premature and that might not be true you could probably pull out of anything but this angel's there now and you've already referred to you know your wife can wipe your ass you've said that but there's a lot that goes into this relationship now yeah. right like this is this is like this is like the ultimate test of a marriage like there cannot be a bigger test no. they truly can't this is what i'm picturing is this angel now has finally been put on or she's finally doing what she was put on earth to do i don't know if that's too cliche but that's what i've always pictured alex she's always come across to me that way and now all of the milk and honey all of the fashion everything she's doing this is what she was put on earth to do is like hey look this is my man and i'm going to work right now oh man and that that's the spe- that's the that's the mindset that we have to stay in and that we we sit down every morning in these leather chairs. There's one right here to my right. 
that she sets in and we, we talk about stuff like this and that's what we, um, her, the answer is I couldn't have, there's no way I could have got through it without, without her and her strength. And man, what we had to go through just to be together, you know, small town, you know, um, that's another story, but we did the hard thing. We went through it. We went through the the small town thing of, yes, we belong together. Even though a lot of people thought we didn't, we, we made that decision and we, we got married. We, you know, had this covenant, but now it's just strengthened because of what, what we've came through and what she, she's came through. That's the thing. When something like this happens, the nurturer doesn't, it's always, they almost go through more than the actual patient because the patient's getting all the attention. They, Alex's mentality had to be stronger than mine because you bet your, you bet your ass when, when I was struggling to put my socks on or struggling to use the bathroom and I would have kind of a breakdown top scenario and Alex coming in and going, Hey, it's all right. It's fine. It'll be better. Just keep battling through it. We'll make it through it. You know how many of those conversations we've had hundreds and it's, it's somebody like that, that I know now though, all those hard decisions made and, and my, my decision to, to get with Alex and marry Alex and our decision to do the right thing and do the hard thing was was almost rewarded you know in a way that uh i couldn't have done it there's no way i could have i've got through it uh i could have got through it without without her and and just her spiritual um leadership and and she's strong man oh i know and it's, and it's strengthened it strengthened both of us to 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 kind of shave the fluff off too i wanted to mention that like I think I've told you before at, at, at the, the smokehouse, the nothing else matters, man. All the little stuff, the, the, the nitpicky stuff that we go through and that you might get upset about the, the, where my ego might be tested somewhere because somebody, you know, I didn't get a show or I didn't get this. Like none of it matters when you think about the, how big, like when you look at everything from a 30,000 foot view and you're not able to do that until something like this necessarily happens, this forces you to look at it like that. And you think about what the things that, that really matters. And that's, that's what Alex and me have been focused on is okay. Set back. What matters? What direction do we want to do? What message do we want to put out to people? Do we want to even share this? And people combated me about, uh, you don't want to be the man that with the AVM or the brain injury, like, do you? And I'm like looking at him like, well, yeah, that that's part of my story. So we made the decision to make this, to share this as part of our story and our faith as part of our story. So we could help people through what, you know, whatever, you know, the future holds, I can stand up and talk to somebody that's going through something tragic and, my, I wrote a line the other day in a song that said, sometimes tragic lives right next to magic, you know, and it, and it's always, that's where the magic happens when you choose to take the high road or when you choose to take the road of the victor, the, the leader, 
the magic happens. And that's what we we've witnessed, you know, with this, you know, just a new life. It's a new, it's a new life. I'm breathing, man. That's enough. That's literally enough at this point. I'm making music. I'm going out here helping Alex. We've got briskets on the Traeger right now. And it's Saturday. It's sunny. It's beautiful. And breathing, concentrating, meditating, all that stuff matters so much more now that, that I've been through this, you know, and Alex was always there to remind me, Hey man, Hey man, we've got a family to start. Could you imagine, can you imagine like what, how do I say this? Can you imagine being that in that state that she was put in and to not bring one bit of the attention to herself? Like think about how life works. Like Drake goes and receives an award. The attention's on him. Drake goes and sells out a, a, a theater and the attention's on him. Drake gets a hit and writes a song. The attention's on him. She Drake almost dies and she helps bring you back to life in every way known to man. Physically, she's helped you mentally and emotionally and not one bit of the effing attention is on her. It's on you still. Think about how strong willed of a person she has to be to be in that position of behind the scenes loving her man, supporting it. She doesn't want any of your accolades on stage. She knows that that's your talent. That's your baby. That's your love and passion. But now she is literally your rock, your crutch. She's wiping your ass physically and she yeah. still gets none of the attention, which she, and my point is, is that her ego is never once questioned because she has none. That is the mentality that Alex has always had with me. And I can't, that is the secret of life is finding that balance of how to say that is what, that's how you're supposed to be right there. That is the true measure of a person and being able to do everything. Even when the, the spotlight's on you, she's like, go, baby, go. And then when you're dying, she's like, go, baby, go. And nobody stops to go, oh, my God, she's the true, she's the true rock star. She's the really the one that is making all of this happen, not from just cooking the meals to she's probably having to put food in your mouth once in a while. She's going into those nurturing stages that 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 an angel is supposed to have a mom is supposed to have a nurture is supposed to have and nobody nobody is probably giving her an award nobody is writing a story on this the true the true talent of what's taken place in a lot of these instances so that's what's going through my mind is that she is literally taking you out of hell and putting you in a position to understand what tragic and magic living together has to do with. That's the way that I'm, that's all that's going through my mind is like how special, how lucky Drake White is that this woman and this angel is there because without that, I, I question myself being 45 years old on many a nights, Drake laying alone in my bed, lonelier than a, you know what? And I'm sitting there, I, I grow envious of that, of that instance. And then if you take it a step further and you mention, well, what about Burgess, Bridges Burt and little things that really don't matter, uh, holding a grudge against a friendship or an argument and turning it into something that almost could become unfixable. That shit is stupid. And then you take it a step further and you sit there and go, oh my gosh, I literally have nothing like Alex in my life. Nothing. No, if I had that happen to me, it would be my mom in her 60s that would have to come and do that for me. So think about the luck and the, the true majesty in what you have right there. I think all the time, I don't have that. I truly do not have that meant that, that angelistic 
person in my life that would bring me back. So think about the story in that. Like people, that's the kind of stuff that goes through my head all the time. You talk about you know, the little things and squashing things and making sure that you get right back on the right track and understand the big picture. That's the secret of life. Because I look at it like, what if, what if I was in the duck blind and something hit me like that to where I was put back into a spot to where I, I got to be, you know, you're, you're, you got to be nurtured again. So anyway, that's what I'm thinking is that person, Alex Mize, Alex White, like I can't get over the fact that her ego has never even been questioned because she has none. It's like a weird way to live your life, man. She is just a giver and you're so lucky. So I, I, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox and, 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 and I'm just trying to put into perspective like the little things, those, those conversations on those chairs taking place is the, li- that's what life is. And now she's literally in a position to where that's what she was put on earth to do. In my opinion, it's just a crazy, crazy story that she took all the attention off of milk and honey and all the attention off of what she was getting ready to do, to go business wise. And she has to go into complete nurturing mode. And she's a, she's just right there on the side of your bed. I don't know if I'm saying that the right way. It's just, that's a true, true ma- magical thing. In my opinion, to have that. Well, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, when you were talking, I kept having this thought of, we're not of this world. She's not of this world. She's building up her treasures in heaven. That's what she, that's what her mentality is. She has a heaven based mentality. Like, and if that's a little too religious for people out there, I I get it. I understand it. But for, for us, like she Every single time I've watched her her whole life since I've known her, she's made the decision to put others before herself. And she's a servant, you know, and I will spend the rest of my life now serving her and serving others because of because of many, many things in many conversations we've had. But that is it in a nutshell. It, it's a it's a servant's mentality. It's a golden rule mentality. It's a we're storing up. This world is a flash in the pan. Eighty years, if you're lucky. I mean, your dad that you love very much. You know, he passed away too early. Um, we're talking. My dad's sixty five years old. You know, I think you know we live fast. We live hard, man. And I think if we're we're very blessed if we have eighty eighty five years in the, on this earth. And it's a flash in the pan, dude. So she talks a lot about storing up her treasures in heaven, not treasures on this earth, not things, not material possessions, but to hold hold your hands open, open and things come and go. Money, um, accolades, awards, books, shows, movies, whatever it is. She, she just, it's a different realm mentality, mentality now uh, with her and with myself. It's like, I don't, it's not, this life is so short for me, you know, for, for everybody out here. And we're just a breath, we're just one breath away. Um, so all the cliches are true, man. I, yeah, but we don't think about, we don't, we don't think about them on that level like she does, dude. And that's the difference between her and you her and I is that, uh, I mean, I, I'm self-admitting I'm transparent about, it, man. I, I, this, 
whole analogy of pumping the brakes and slowing down and focus that I'm trying to get into in my life now, I've been on a blinded Clydesdale with blinders on focus, just, you know, not, not like a giver, you know, whatever it takes kind of attitude to get there. Cause I'm not driven by the, the, the highest things of like having, you know, the, the big time material things. I was just driven. I'm still driven so much by the success of the brands and building and building and building and building and building and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. And Alyssa has been my savior in that of being able to show me, you know, what really matters, but still I've catch myself all the time, no matter how much of those, what you, you know, all of the stuff that how Alex lives her life and that it might sound cliche. A lot of the times I still catch myself, you know, yeah. Losing focus of what's really important and going, I, I wonder if I need to go get an email out. I wonder if I need to get on a call. I need to schedule some. I don't feel busy enough. Something's well, wrong. I, mean, I don't feel busy enough. I don't enough. think we can beat ourselves up about that. I mean, that's how we're geared. Like, um, But it is that balance. You know, now Alex is in my life surrounding, making sure that I surround myself with people that um, – that are good for that balance. You know, if you, if you look at your top five friends, you look at your, you know, if you look at who you hang around, like that's, that's who you're going to end up like and, and not end up like, but you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, it's just, you keep saying pump the brakes. It's really taught me to appreciate, um, you know, every, every tug of the line, every, every conversation, you know, because, uh, she's been, she's been phenomenal and I kind of lost train of thought. No, there, I get but, it. Has it made you pick up the phone yet, Drake? Have you picked up the phone? Not that you ever needed to. I'm just asking you because I know that I've done this. Have you picked up the phone and called somebody that you felt something needed to be said that, that was, that wasn't left in the right light. That wasn't that, the, that the relationship or a business idea or something needed to be fixed kind of mentality. Have you picked up the phone since this, since all this stuff is flashed before your eyes kind of, and that you started to see the importance in life have you done that has that has it brought you to that at all i've had a lot of conversations man with with people i I was pretty buttoned up you know i had that mentality before um i mean our conversation at the smokehouse that was one of those conversations where we needed to talk about certain things and and that that type of deal to be real with you um and 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 it worked out it worked out fine it's the for me, I felt like my mentality was there before the before the injury, and the injury magnified it to the point of like the fluff, the fat, just trim it off and focus on the things the 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 that are that are from a enriching standpoint. You know, I, I think that makes sense. Like it no, just it, it just really sense. brought it really right up in front of my face where it's always been. 10 feet away. It's always been my mentality to be, to be present, you know, to build a culture on good laurels and and good treat people with a golden rule and treat people. Great. Uh, leave things better than you, than you found it. All that stuff. I had that foundation. This is just bringing it from 10 feet to right at the bill of my hat. Um, to where it's just like, that's what my life is completely about now. It's about staying in a spiritual walk with my maker, 
treating my wife like the goddess that she is, treating the people around me, you know, letting go of the things, you know, whether it be, hey, this guy needs this or this girl needs this, like just being open to go, yep, yep, just say yes, you know, to certain certain things that I, I think before the injury I would have been like maybe a little tighter gripped on, you know. And I'm not just talking about money or, or something like that. I, I'm talking about like little little ego things or little things that, that might have been in the way. Like it's all clean now to me mentally. It's like, all right, I mean, I almost died, you know. But te- but but what's it, what's really symbol symbol symbolic in my mind of the story, and I'm going to transition into rehab and Vandy and your doctors and your therapists and your 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 pretty much just your voyage from you know to get healthy because in a lot of the reports you read was drake's brain is sick drake experiences terrible brain injury like i read that it said his like not like like not mental but it's like you you were your brain got sick um i would take that as a compliment (laughs) that's kind of a rap song that's something like eminem would say um at least 10 years, probably 10 years, that might be a little premature to say, but 10 years, maybe more, maybe a little less, give or take, the microphone's in your hand in Roanoke, Virginia, and you're going into a song that has lines that say, live your life in a way that you will dance butt naked in the pouring rain. You will go over and run with the bulls in Spain. You are going to live that type of mentality that tomorrow you might not see tomorrow. That whole symbolic part of this story is amazing to me that not only do you have the angel, the, the angelic characteristics of Alex Mize and that became Alex white and your wife. Now you have this song that you wrote with one of your best friends, Leith Lofton, who's from Mississippi that we all know here. Now you have these, these lyrics being written and now they're getting ready to be sung when you go down. So that's symbolic of that. You could have been singing four non blondes. You could have been singing a cover. You could have been singing anything, but you yeah. happen to be going into a song that talks about living your life in a way to where you kind of what we're talking about right here. Don't be afraid to dance in the rain, butt yeah, naked. Man. Don't be afraid that- to run. It's crazy to me. Is that not, is that not good? That's the good stuff though. You know, it's crazy. It's awesome. The paying attention to that stuff, you know, I, I always love like Jeremiah Johnson movies like that. I always love native Americans, you know, the thought of how they observed so deeply, everything was an observation. And I think with the fast 2020 mentality of we got to be everywhere at every every time and everything um, that really got us away as hunters and gatherers and people that sat down and had two hour long conversations about, you know, about songs or things or listen to the record or listen to listening to the Opry or whatever it was. I really think that, um, that life and what we're going through right now in the quarantine, it's really bringing us back to a, Jeremiah Johnson type mentality where we have to observe the tracks, which way the tracks are going. We have to observe which way the birds are flying. Uh, if the air is clean or not, we have to, we have to think about stuff like that. It's, it's, it's really got me back to a place. I mean, this is quarantine number two, you know, you go, I was six months 
and you know, financially we, we felt great. Everything's going good. Rugs pulled out from under you for six months and then stack another, you know, another, uh, the COVID-19 stuff on top of that. You get innovative, brother. You have to get innovative. You have to go do things that maybe make you uncomfortable. You have to, to cook 15, uh, you have to, Alex has to get innovative with her business. I have to get innovative with my business, not being able to play guitar yet, not being able to go out and tour. And we were about to go back out in April and May. And now I just, I love it. It's hard. And I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't wish it upon anybody. It, and people say it sucks or these are crazy times. I've tried not to say these are crazy times. I've tried to say these are needed times to get us back to where, um, <laughs> to get us, to get us where we need to be mentally, you know, and I'm thankful because I believe something great will come out of this innovation, this time of thinking, this time of, uh, I, I kind of went I off. No, I agree. I agree. Um, but I would ask you this as a friend, and if Alex would ask you this, I don't know. And if your mom, she probably would. My mom would for sure. My mom's a nurse practitioner, and she has had, I bet you, 20 conversations with me about Drake White and me asking a lot of questions about should he have been out there and AVM and what is it? And then, you you know, you were going on the doctors and you were involved in the People magazine article so you and Alex could tell the story and, 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 and trying to tie in as much, you know, knowledge and, and fact finding on what it I guess I'll just come out and ask it are you being are you being a little rambunctious Drake White to to are you ready to go out on tour right now are you ready to be away from somebody and on a tour bus with the band again to where you might run into that sign again are you healed up or is the therapy already given you the ability to think that you can go freaking play Tortuga again. Cause I was at your last Tortuga performance and it wasn't, it wasn't just sitting on a, on a tray. You were running up and down a catwalk and rocking the beach. So are you ready? And I know that there's going to be different levels of performance when you go back out, but is it, is it time already when you, when you literally just told me that you can't play guitar yet, is it time to go deliver the Drake white message and mentality right now? Or are you taking a chance? Um, I want to answer this question, you know, I want to think about it for a second um, because I, I know the quick answer and I about fired it off, man. I about just let it go. Does it piss you off for me to ask a question like that? First of all, cause um, I'm not trying to piss you off. No, it doesn't. It doesn't piss me off. Very little pisses me off now. And I, and I, and I mean that it, like, I don't really get um, offended anymore about it about it because of now the story what if i could help somebody with this answer that's my mentality so the answer is music is just like breathing to me being on stage singing to my audience is a form i i want to make the story to, to carry my guitar out there and people see it around my neck and eventually see my hands wrap around the neck of it and let them see how music truly is healing, how the cliche is true. Um, and it's not the answer. Yes, I am ready to get back out, not in Garth Brooks and, and Eddie Vedder 
climbing all over the place. No, that's not going to be that type of physical show, but the show is going to be, it's going to be even better because the story and the plot has thickened. There's more scars on, on, on the buckle. You know, there's more scars on, on your face that you can go and talk about. I mean, I've always wanted to have that depth of an Aretha Franklin or a, or a Ray Charles when he sings, like knowing, feeling that, uh, you know, Guy Clark type of mentality of, of like, he lived a rough life, you know, Towns Van Zandt lived a rough life. Some of these, my favorite performers and singers, they lived these lives. I mean, Jeremiah Johnson, my favorite movie. It wouldn't be a good movie, dude, if he didn't get chased all the time and he didn't have something that, the revenant wouldn't be a good movie if he didn't, you know, if it wasn't full of struggle and strife. So embracing that struggle and showing fans what a, a, a fate driven mentality looks like and what a victorious mentality looks like is my life purpose to show them that marriage is amazing. And that my wife is amazing to show them that, that I can come back and this show looks different, but it's me out there with a, you know, James Brown cane and a, and a, in a chair. And I'm going to sit down when I want to sit down. I'm going to stand up when I want to stand up. But, uh, man, I've already went and played a show late February to about 2000 people. It was a private deal in, uh, in San Antonio. And dude, it did so much for my heart and health wise, all the doctors, all the nurses, everybody, it's like you go do you and you pay attention now to your blood pressure. So I take my blood pressure before the show. I, I take my medicine. I take all that stuff. I could not, if you, if somebody said, Drake, you got to set, you got to take it, take it a year off. My, my Brett Saliba, my booking agent said the same thing. He asked me the same thing. Do you think you're a little premature on this, man? I, I, I can't live with myself to put you back out there and something else happen. Look, this is what I do. This is just like breathing, performing. I have to do it. And I, and is it safe? No, it's not safe. Is it safe as it can be? Yes, it, it is. The, the neurologist has is, is gave me the green light. The people have gave me the green light. We've made a lot of stuff. We've played a lot of shows. We're doing Wednesday night therapy every Wednesday night. And um, so has the, know, has the lime dissolved or been destroyed 100%? Yes. Has, it's gone. It's embolized, completely it, glued shut. It's so there's no more bleeding on the brain. Then the, yeah. the brain cannot that that was a roadblock of stopping blood from getting to the places the blood needed to travel in that part of your brain in that region of your brain. It's all fixed. Yes. So it was healing. It and I will be monitored for about two years. Every six months, I'll go in for a test to to evaluate that embolized AVM. Chad, and they will make sure that that thing is not changed, leaking, anything like that. Um, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'll go in for two years and keep those things going. But as far as brain surgeries, um, my brain surgeries are finished and it has successfully been embolized. So when you were going into the coast is clear and you're coming out of what you said in the way that you sing, it feels good. And you really get on it. It feels good. Good. And you get, and you're in it. You're on it. 
and you're, there's a lot of pressure on your neck, your head, your shoulders, you know, you're relaxed, but you're really giving it, you know, that's why you see your throat, you know, when you're really giving a duck call, you can see somebody's color turn different, right? Is there a sense of fear to do that? Can you do that yet? How are the pipes? How is the Drake White voice in San Antonio? Is it back to normal or are you rebuilding that just like you're rebuilding your left hand to pick the guitar? Yeah. Uh, good question. I mean, the, the vocals are, are a muscle and my vocals were never altered. I mean, obviously not using them the way every day for five, six times a week. It's almost, I thought about it as a blessing. I'd been busting it for 12 years, some five and six nights a week, sometimes singing, you know, you know how hard I push and it's almost a blessing that they might've needed that six month break and God's preparing me for something massive to happen because I will need, I needed that break to, to, to get them to another level. So I feel like my vocals are as healthy are probably more healthy than they've ever been because of the break that I've given them. Um, and I mean, I sang all my vocals on my new music um, that's coming out shortly. I sang every, every, song um on that with you know post post injury and uh you know singing every day you know right now and sing, doing my wednesday night therapy so it's it feels really good man to, to be out there singing and pushing i learn how to take different passageways down the river is if that makes sense like instead of going spearheading something where i would just go scream at something I, the guitar, not playing a guitar allows me to focus on the, on the vocal even more. So the mentality was the music is probably going to be as far as a vocal performance, it's probably going to be better live because I'm 100% focused on that, that vocal as of right now. I mean, my hands coming back and my guitar playing's coming back. And I think this quarantine, another, it's just given me time to get, everything even stronger than it would have been in April. We were going out and starting to tour in April, May, June, July, and building up into a fall tour. And uh, that's that was the plan before uh, COVID-19. Um, but vocally, man, I, f I feel really good. And uh, I feel I feel very confident because the AVM's, the AVM's not there anymore. The thing that's been stealing blood from my from adequate blood flow to all parts of my brain, my entire life is gone. So in my mind, my 100% will be raised. So you mentioned to Kane, the James Brown Kane, that you are transparent about. You're not, a, you're 35 years old and you're not afraid to show people that, Hey, and here's where I'm going with that is that in October, I was at your house sitting on your porch with Katie and, and with Alex and you and Ben yeah. And we went for a walk down to the barn and I almost, I had to hold on to you on a, on a waist belt and you led the percussion and walked me to your barn. But I, 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 you, you didn't have a lot of mobility or strength or, um, the ability to put your left foot down and, and really, you know, take steps that's yeah. changed now. So you continue to get better. Now you're on a cane and you're walking on your own. Is that continuing? was that? That was October. That, that was the weekend of October 1st, September 29th, October 1st. I was Man. on your porch. Yeah. So, so not that long ago. 
I was I, mean, wa- I was walking you around your yard, not walking you, but I was holding on to you while you were walking. We went down and saw the new the new barn and sat outside of the barn and looked at the feeder and everything. Yeah. So that's changed a lot too. It has. It has. I think I'm probably 65%, 70% in this in this hand and and probably the same in this left leg. Um we're talking about a Peloton, you know, five, four or five times a week. Um, and, and going for it and pushing, pushing my, you know, checking my blood pressure, uh, before and after, um, really, really, really rocking the Peloton doing, trying to get into yoga poses, working out with three, five and 10 pound weights to build the, sh- the shoulders built back up now. Um, and it's not a hundred percent, like I said, it's 60%, but I, I took it upon my, my job since, um, and the surgeries, like I've had two surgeries since then. So that they're complete, but the rigor, you know, the rigorous therapy at Vanderbilt and me going in and working to break synergy, to break through, you know, uh, break through and reconnect all those neuro passageways in my brain that, that you take for granted. Hey, it's taking this step. We've, we've made, a lot of leadway on that. And it takes a while. It takes, man, people, people heal for two, three, four years after strokes and after accidents like this. But for me, the diet, you know, being on this very, you know, paying attention to my diet, to my vitamin intake, um, every little symbol or sign that my body gave me, doing the Peloton, working at Vanderbilt, and then working, hiking all down in here and just really pushing it. That's been my job 100% of the time, you know? So I've, I've full, I've got a hyperbaric chamber upstairs for God's sakes that I stay in, you know, two and three times a week. Um, we, I've just done a ton of research on how, how I can reestablish those passageways and it's working. And I mean, we're, um, if, from my last surgery, my last surgery was December the 10th. So from then, I mean, you're not, I, I really think a hundred percent will be a year. Look at me in December the 10th of 2020. And I think you'll see somebody that. So that six, is six months from now, or are you saying a year and a half from now, 2021 or this year? I'm saying December the 10th of 2020. This year. Um, that I think you'll see another huge improvement from what you're looking at right now. Um, but right now I, my mentality was I, I want to get back out there because I want to see p- people cause they heal. And that heals me seeing the fans heals me. I got to be careful. Yes. But being back out there and being, being doing what I'm passionate about is what is going to keep it, keep it going. And I've been, I've been, I've taken every precaution. I guarantee you Alex wouldn't let me go if she didn't think it was safe because she's the one that'd have to deal with it if I had another accident. To what to do what? To try to make you look good again? Did you write that song about Alex? Oh yeah. And look at what the frick's going on, dude. She just spent the last year making you look good again, like rebuilding you. Like there's another significant significant lyric that transcends into what you're saying, the rehab, the the staff at Vandy, like how awesome are they? I'm sure you're like on a first name basis with every therapist there and, and they're rooting you on through the recovery. And then 
you have this whole team putting putting Humpty Dumpty back together per se. Yeah. And then you take the lyric of that song of you walking into the kitchen and her looking at you and you just going, man, she's, that's what that song's all about is that you, you don't think you look that good. You know, you don't, your eyes are blood drawn. You're tired of shit. Your hands are broken up. You've been working nonstop and you got sick and your brain got injured and you got hurt. And here she is making you look good again. Like that to me, that kind of stuff is so I'm not a musician, but I love music and I just love the lyric. And it's almost like you knew on a bigger level that it meant more than just you being handsome to your wife. She's literally yeah. like making you who you are again. Yeah. Every song, man. I mean, they've really taken on another meaning. Every song on the spark album, really every song that I've written, it's kind of a, a lot of people have mentioned that, that now the coast is clear, the back to freeze, the um, making me look good again. Take me as I am. It, it takes, take me as I, it, here's it, your story. It, it takes a whole nother level. And that's what I'm telling people coming out of this quarantine, come see a show, go see your favorite. Well, yeah, it's it's you know, what I want to say on this topic is that I'm, I have a, a podcast scheduled next week with three individuals um, through zoom because I, I've, I've really like held a grudge against Nashville for a while. And I've, I've been educated by you and Leith and, you know, the Brent Cobbs and the and Randy Housers and guys like, Hey, <clears throat> country music is going to do what country music does. And now we're transitioning into, you know, the artist Drake white is the grudge in me is still there because I have this podcast to talk about, how I've always said things like this. I'm very opinionated in ways, but where I, I can back down and I can listen and I can be a sponge and I've gotten really good at other people's opinion matters and like start, stop being so staunch on everything. Well, I've always said that like Jamie Johnson, the lonesome song is the best song for song country album there ever was. Now that's premature to say, cause you can go back to Merle. You, you mentioned Guy Clark. I've been listening to Texas cooking. And when I hear that song, anyway, I love you. I'm just like, and, and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like that's a country song. Right. But, I think that Lonesome Song is song for song, the best country album ever written. And then this podcast that I'm getting, and then when, when Traveler came out, I was in Florida fishing. I looked at Brett Cannon, who you know. I said, that's, a, that's the album of the year, which probably didn't take much to know that. That was a really badass album. Then Miranda's double album came out a year later. And I looked at somebody and I said, that's album of the year. And sure enough, it won album of the year. So I'm not saying that I can predict this. I'm not trying to come off of that way at all. And people could test me on that and ask and really ask if there's any validity in my statements. And if I ever really said that in the first place, but I'm telling you that I did, but I also am having this podcast to tell the, to have a discussion on how spark is one of the best country albums ever written or produced song for song. Now, again, you there's opinions in everything. They're like elbows, right? But that album with heartbeat to story to Elvis to Equator to making me look good again to back to free the lyric in back to free about the kid is like never been more significant in time than right now. So I'm going to have a simple discussion on <clears throat> how that album was never giving, given the credit it deserved. It was never given the time or the due process that it deserved. I don't care why I understand politics. It doesn't matter. You could fight that until you're blue in the face. But if somebody doesn't go onto iTunes or any of their platforms that they have and buy that album, and I mean, buy that album, 
you sh- owe it to yourself to listen to the lyric and the production and the musicianship and the brotherhood and everything that went into the album spark. And if it takes going to a Drake white live show to hear some of it, plus the new stuff and having the chance to hear simple life or gypsy or some of the songs that I know you have, like I, I can name all of them. Um, yeah. But that album is it's bullshit, in my opinion. And I just I just kind of did a mic. I just did a bad. Tom's going to rip my ass for what I just did into the microphone when he goes to produce this. I apologize for that. But (laughs) that album is unbelievable. And it pisses me off to this day in 2020 that it did not. I just remember being on the phone with Christian Curtis, who is one of the individuals who, who, you know, I, you know, I, I question all the time in my head at 45 years old, like what happened? I love that man to death, but Christian Curtis and I were on the phone. So we're on the phone and he goes, what, what happened to it? Where is it? We'd been talking every week, watching this, watching the climb of there you go, making me look good again up the charts. And now this week it's at 13 and we're like, dude, Drake's going number one. He's going to have his first number one hit. We were, it's probably not as fired up as you in the band, but we were there. And then he calls me, he goes, what happened to it? And I'm like, what do you mean? So we go on the charts, it's gone. So I'm like, what the, you you just don't have a 13 that went from 21 to 13 and then not be in the top 10 or 11 and keep climbing something. I was like, what? And I don't want to get into it. It doesn't matter if we could have a podcast on the business of music and talk until we're blue in the face. All I'm trying to simply say to the audience is this album with that hit, I was in House of Blues, Boston, across the street from Fenway Park. Drake White in the Big Fire play the after party of the Zach Brown show at Fenway Park. Zach Brown, I myself, some other guys are in the second deck balcony overlooking the stage. And you dropped your guitar and took the microphone. And it was the first time I had ever heard Making Me Look Good Again live. I don't know if it might have been one of the first times. Chad Payne was up there, a, a bunch of the band. And I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Zach Brown turns to me and pulls up his sleeve and said, look at that. And his hair was standing up on his arm and he had goosebumps. And he looks at me and he says, that's a hit. So Zach Brown's got 14, 15 number one hits and some Grammys. And he's, he's a true, he's a true country music rock star. That's had a great career. He knows what he's talking about. The charts are saying the same thing. Then all of a sudden we are robbed of some of the greatest music that's ever been produced. And that's the way Christian and I felt that day, like robbed, like what the f- is going on here? This can't be happening. And then now there is more strife that happens in a man's career that nobody behind the scenes probably knows or understands. And I don't understand it in, in full transparency. I don't understand it hundred percent, but that weighs on your mind. All of this, there's so many ups and downs and valleys and climbing that this album needs to be heard because of what went into it and the lyric that's in there. People don't understand the genius in the album until you break it down and understand what is being said in that album song for song, just like the Lonesome Song by Jamie Johnson. If you listen to the lyrics song to song of going from in color and then your next single is about smoking weed in a Baptist parking lot and hookers and cocaine and the, the strifes that Jamie Johnson was going through in life. That's what I listen to in an album. And that when I hear spark and I li- and I break down song to song, knowing what is being said in just the song story, as simple as that song is, it is so massive. 
And there's never been a better time in the world than right now, 2020 quarantine, COVID-19 coronavirus, than to do yourself a favor and to break it down the way it was intended, not to just let it feel good and not just to dance and lay with your woman on the shore, but really listen to what is being written by you and the band and what is being produced and sent out because that album never got its due never got its due process and it needs to be heard by the masses period okay i'll, I'll shut up now yeah. well thank you man thanks for all the kind words i mean it we could we could like you said we could have a whole another podcast about the music business and, and why things happen and i literally kind of back to the, the statement of trimming the fat believing that the world is for you that people are for you, the business is for you, and that, you know, that your path is your path is something that I've, I've put a lot of psychological time into um, that health in my mind. And it, and it, you know, all I can say is that one of my favorite sayings is, um, my favorite quotes is a, uh, it's, it says, uh, the tallest timber does not grow with ease. The stronger the wind, the tougher the trees. And what that means to me is all of this, you know, my friend, Marin Morris's path was different. Luke Combs' path was different. Jamie's path was different. Zach's path was different. John Party living right down the road. Kid Rock living down the road. That, their paths were different. My path is my path and frustrating. I have been frustrated. I have slammed my head up against the wall and, and hit and punched on a punching bag until my knuckles bled. And, but it's caused me to go back into the studio and even dig deeper with this new music, even dig deeper with, you know, people and things and what happens. And I refuse to let, uh, to be jaded. I refuse to let uh, the devil have, have his way and get me pissed off and get me. But I will say that it has formed a chip on my shoulder to be dropped from two labels, to be um, for that record to be, you know, at 14 and then just disappear 13, whatever it was, I don't even remember. Um, to have, I'm looking at an international song of the year and make, that's the thing a lot of people don't understand. Making Me Look Good Again, or don't know, Making Me Look Good Again was the international song of the year. It won It won a European CMA, what's equivalent to, it won song of the year. And that's neither here nor there. It is what it is. But for me, it's going back to, it just makes me dig deeper. A lot of people could quit. But the strongest timber, it doesn't grow with ease. You know, the strongest things. And I'm 36 now, and I feel like I'm just starting every time. That's, that that's the greatest. Up. That's the greatest feeling and the gift that you got out of this is that you have a new start, a new, not that you needed one, but you're not, you're revitalized, man. I just see it like when you say it like that, that your path was different. You're going to let the music do what music do. You're going to let the good Lord and your higher powers and, 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 and what your wife Alex prays for so hard and what you pray for so hard, you're going to let it do what it's doing. Your path was meant to go this way. 
It's the only way to look at it. You could bang your knuckles into a heavy bag and bang your head into a wall as many times as you want. It's not going to change the fact that that song's no longer in the top 20, moving into the top 10 with a chance to be number one. It doesn't matter that that plaque says song of the year. All of that is part of this journey. And that's what you're saying is like, it gives me goosebumps and fires me up that like Drake White's back better than he ever was and that that being dropped by the labels i've stood on the freaking grand old opry stage three times with you i've sat in the ra- in the in the pew in the back where the family sits i've sat there with your grandpa that you've written songs about and watched the look on his face as you wowed the crowd at the grand old opry i know what you do and how you well you do it and how good you are and how unbelievable it is to witness i get it i've been there done that So I'm on, I have seen what could be, and that's why I'm affected differently when something happens to a song like that or the dropping of another label. When you deserve to be there, something's weird, something's messed up, and now this journey is telling us, hey, that's why it happened. I think that's what you're trying to say is that that, it shows you reason of why it happened because this is your journey. Which is the weird and the messed up, like if you you change that language into what, the weird and the messed up. Look at look at Willie's career. Look at Jamie's career. Look at, um, I mean, you could sit here and name a ton of legendary careers. I am going to play music and and serve my fans for the rest of my life. And I think the second, it's just like growing. You know, to grow that fan, I got to focus on the hundred hundred and fifty thousand fans that I do have not the hundred million that I don't, you know, if I super focus on those hundred thousand, 150,000 fans and I serve those guys, then they will go out and be soldiers and, and invite more people to shows and, and all that. I don't know why the path and you bet your butt, man. Uh, that when I think about my path, I think, man, you know, if it would have just went this way or just went that way, it could have been this or it could have been that. I've asked those questions, but I have chose to focus on how now do we sit here and innovate? How do we go and write, write the next song, inspire the next group of fire starters, create the next piece of culture, get on the next tour, be the next inspiration? How do we do that? That's my mindset. It's not the past, it's the future. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Um, and But I know my why now more. I know my why, and my why is clearer now than it's ever been, ever. And it took, a, it took me a near-death situation, and, um, but that's the way it works. That's the way every story works. You know, every great story, a great movie has has struggle and this stuff in it. And I, I want to I want to I want my character to build from it and I want people to 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 hopefully take inspiration from it. And I want to be real with myself about, you know, about what I feel. Cause I've had I have I have bad days all the time, but there's a lot more good days than bad. And that music, I think, is the tip of the iceberg. Spark is the tip of the iceberg to what I'm going to be able to do in the years to come. I mean, I'm, I still feel young. I am still have a lot of vitality left and a lot of energy left. 
and I feel like I can go out there every day and and be better than I was the day before, you know? So. I love it. But I still think that that album should be on the radio. I'm not going to back down off of that. Ne- never will I, I back I, down. I'm, I'm not, not saying that for you to go, oh, well, thank you for the words. It's just the truth about music is that some music deserves to be heard by the masses. And the way that the music is chosen to be heard by the masses is, is, is a science. And I get it's a business and there's money and revenue. And I just, I'm just trying to get my two cents in that that album is as good as a country music or all around music can be period. So it is what it is. The, the, the music is still available. <laughs> you still play the songs live. Yeah. Um, Wednesday night therapy has taken off to where it's its own beast now to where people are just enthralled to be on there on Wednesday nights because it is therapeutic. It's like being in the duck blind to a soldier that just got back from serving missions and serving for our freedoms. Uh, I've had them look me in the eyes many times and say, this is therapy. This is what I needed, right? That, that Wednesday night therapy is becoming what people need to get through this time. It is therapy to people to hear those words and those have, uh, have a, a intimate conversation with you and have you speaking in a little room while your guy plays the piano and the guitar. That's what people need at this time. And you're there. You are serving again. And Alex is helping produce all that. And at the same time, she's m- building food and recipes for people that are in need of that. So there's a lot of good that is coming out of the quarantine. There's a lot of good, a lot of future that's come out of Roanoke that night. When you hit that sign walking that day and fell on stage that night, a lot of good, a lot of people could cash in right there and just say, I'm done. I don't have what it takes to get up. So if you think about it like that, that you could easily say, look, man, I, I got, you have a degree in engineering, Drake, you are college educated from the university of Auburn, which the greatest athlete of all time came out of. If I can be opinionated again, Bo Jackson, you're probably thinking Charles Barkley or Frank Thomas, but I'm referring to Bo Jackson, Bessemer, Alabama, 1962, the greatest athlete of all time. But think about that was just a little pitch in there, but you're educated. You could fall back on your education and say, I could go, I'm going to go do this and just sit in an office. You could do that. No problem. But you choose to go out and inspire again and keep writing and keep building and keep digging. It's not easy. This life is a son of a bitch in a lot of ways. You have been on the rocks social media a few times in the last year. In the last week, you were on it again as he's making a margarita or whatever. He's listening to the song that we're referring to and he's singing to it. That shows like that song and and what you do to people like you have the rock listening to it. You were on the voice. You have contestants singing your songs like this is a big deal. It's not anything to be like, oh, man, it's, you know, like you choose to take that and build on it. And it continues to, you know, flourish and blossom. And something is big time come out of this. I know that there is because you can't do what you do and be as good at it that you are and not see success and your success is coming in a different journey. Like you said, and I think that it's a cool one to where now you can really dig deep and find out what's really important. And I feel in my career, if I can be, uh, you know, self-centered for a second is that that's my goal too, is now to be better at the little things and giving back and, and, and being more into philanthropy and being more of a provider mentality that this just isn't about me or the TV show or the kill or a brand growing. There's a lot more that can come out of it. And I'm trying to visualize that now. So there's inspiration in everything that you're doing to a lot of people. And I think that being able to self-admit that your journey is just different 
people don't know that Willie, you know, they might know. They, I mean, Willie's bankrupt and down on his luck many times, and he's yeah. got a cult following. Jamie Johnson's went through hell. Zach Brown's gone through hell. They all, a Kid Rock's gone through hell. They continue yeah. to go through hell on certain days. It's how you react to that and build on it. Not every, there's no story out there that just started, hey man, you're going to have the best perfect life in the world. And somebody goes, okay, thank you. And walked away and just let live the most perfect life in the world. It's never happened in mankind. It never will. No, man. No. And, and that is, that if I could kind of roll into this new, this new music that we're, that we're releasing uh, the 24th of April. Um, that, that is a, it's a testament to, to what, I said earlier in our conversation, I do this because I have to. I do it because I want to, and it's what I think about morning, noon, and night is how to write and how to how to, how to play this this music. With that said, I can get on my my tractor and go down there and and disc up a spring food plot uh, like I did yesterday. Uh, ride my, you know drive my ranger around and go fish, go do all this stuff. Like it's not, it doesn't define me. My, the balance is, is more apparent to me now than ever. And this new music, this new kind of, the passion is greater than it's ever been, but the ability to sit here and say, to have a present two hour conversation with you or make sure that I'm looking at Alex when, when we're talking, turn our phones off to go look at the super moon the other night at nine 30 and, uh, and really sit out in the front yard on a blanket, turn the TVs off and watch spring happen to watch the, the, the bees come in to watch these birds come in and, and feed, you know, to watch the grass grow. That That's what this music, this new music is that for me, we push through that, that void. You know, we we hacked through the the coal mine to find the the diamond, and we we got through the the other side of the wall, and and I feel like I feel like we're just starting. I literally feel like a kid on spring break that's just started. Like, whoa, this what is this? This is this is awesome because because of what we've been through, and because of what you know. Like, I literally think that we will have you know number ones at radio, we'll have Grammys, we'll have CMAs, we'll have ACMs, we'll have all that stuff. Um, starting Rev Watt Records and releasing this independent, that was a leap of faith because used to, I would say, man, if they don't have a major or they don't have this, they, they probably just, that's because they don't have an opportunity to go sign a major record label or, or something like that. Like this scenario has forced me into what I've always dreamed of anyway was being my own artist, being my own thing, which starting Rev Watt Records, uh, my grandfather, after my, my grandfather's name, you know, he was, he was a Rev White, was the original Rev White. So just being and going and doing things your own way, that's what our heroes did, you know? That's what uh, Tom Petty did. That's what Dave Grohl does, what, um, you know, Zach Brown, Zach Brown, Jamie Johnson, they all went independent. And it's like a lot of them did. It's, it's the hardest thing because you don't have that safety net of, if you go, if you go make a record, you pay for that record. The people pay for that record. 
if you go promote a record, if you go to a radio station, you're, you're on the line. It's not a label serving as a bank. Like this is an independent effort. And, and I'm, I'm like, bring it on. Let's go. I'm just going to start really all that old stuff, all the 50 years too late. Um, the gypsies, the, uh, grinning, um, uh, always want what you can't have. It takes time. All those are going to be released now. You know why? Cause they're mine. They're it's my music and I'm just releasing them because why my motto is serve the fan and everything else will take care of itself. Give the fan what they want. 50 years too late. We wrote that song 12 years ago. There's no reason I shouldn't have a, a recording of that out. And it just, the stars haven't lined up. So this first batch of music that we're releasing the 24th of April is called stars. And the reason it's called stars is because each song represents a star for me. And each body of work represents a constellation. So I work with Jaron Johnston with a Cadillac three on this stuff. Jaron is going to do that part. Jeremy Stover is going to do the old music. You know, he's a constellation in my mind. Me and Jonathan Singleton have talked about working together, you know, and who all the other producers that I've worked with over time, they're going to be different constellations. And how I came to this was I would walk outside during my recovery and I would look at a star and it blinking. And I'll think about how long it took for that light to hit my eye traveling at the speed of light. And then it made everything feel small. It made every, it felt made me have hope that I was just a little, little speck on this earth and that everybody on earth has an opportunity to, to look up at those stars and, and realize how small we are and how small our problems are. That's why this thing's called stars and to carry it to the fire kind of culture, a star is just a burning wad of fire anyway. So it's, it's just a, it's just a progression on to what my past work has been, but it's also, it's very liberating to to be independent now, to have this new stuff coming out, and to be you know to be in this boat, man. I'm glad to be riding the rapid and, and still and and uh, you know I'm not quite like I I truly believe the best is yet to come. I love I, it, and I'm not quoting one of my songs. That's that I'm just saying I truly believe that, and uh, I live it every day. April 24th, the EP's called Stars. Where was it recorded at? Is there? Did you go into Music Row to record it? It was recorded at Ocean Way with Jaron. With Jaron. And Jaron was your, was a writer on um, the, one of Live your songs the on the album, right? Living the Dream, which was a single. Yeah. Cadillac 3 are independent? Or they're, uh, with, no, they're with Big Machine. They're with Big Machine. Yeah. So what can people expect with stars? You've given them a little bit of a taste. I saw in Rebel Country on a post the other day. You, you, you've given them Eat, Drink, and, and... Eat, Drink, and Dream. Eat, Drink, and Dream. And you have some other... How many songs can we, can we be, expect to see off of stars? Well, the, fir- the first constellation with Jeremy is, is five, five tunes. And then I'm going to keep a constant stream going. So... I probably, by the end of the year, my goal is to release 20 songs. 20 songs in 2020 was my goal. Um, and we'll get there. We just got to hold the hammer down. I mean, I've got, I've got songs for days that, that I would love to get out there. 
So, so do you, can you do one, can you visualize or hear a beat in your head with your freestyle ability and sing one for us? Yeah. Cause usually I would say, get your guitar and pick one, but that's not the case right now. Right. Um, who are you looking at? Is that Alex? I'm looking, no, I'm looking at my guitar. Um, I'm going to do something. I'll try this. Give me a second. You're all right. This is totally spontaneous. So I hung this guitar up on the wall. I made this little thing and I didn't have, I didn't have this guitar hanging up on the wall. It was in the case for, for months. And I hung it up because now I have to look at it every day. And the best, you know, the best really um, therapy there is, is, is me playing this thing. So like, having to look at it is is one of those things that that you got to grab it i can't walk past it and not grab it so i'm not going to play I, I can't really play i mean there's a g but i can let's go deeper than the bathtub baby with a conversations, maybe sitting on the back porch, maybe biscuits, the biscuits and gravy. Uh, we may all be pinned up, all think we're down on a dangler. Talking about Jamie Johnson, everybody needs a little monster deep inside them growling. Everybody, look what's happening now, man. Talking ducks and all music, everybody knows that I use. That feeling of redemption is rolling through my veins. Oh, I can feel the revival coming once again, coming once again. So came down to the places where I wade through the water, where I see a Labrador retriever, and now oh, it's times like that I need them. So make a little feeling and it's all right. A potluck dinner on a Saturday night. You bet your ass you appreciate when you've been locked up and it's too damn late. Oh, you can't walk, darling, but that's okay. Your left hand don't work and you can't play the guitar. Hey, everybody, I'm a dude. And right on this Saturday, feeling all, all oh, I just keep on rolling like that muddy, muddy, muddy Mississippi flowing. I oh, I just keep on rolling like that muddy Mississippi flowing. I'll just keep on singing my dang song. I'll keep doing the stars, baby, all night long. I wish on them and I watch them fall. I fell in love with a girl that is an angel, y'all. Oh, she says, hey, how do you do? Picks me biscuits and gravy and makes me good loving, too. I hope to have her babe. She hopes to have my babies. I hope to stay lazy. Sitting on the porch to bring me sweet tea. Darling, I really, she needs me, but I need her, too. 
and she wiped my ass. And darling, I just gotta think about the past when I think of her blue eyes. They maybe be green. Oh, the curls are the seldom seen, but I really like and enjoy enjoy the show. Darling, freestyling on the online radio. Zoom, zoom, zoom call. Zoom, be doom, be doom call. Everybody boom call. What am I gonna dial? Everybody be alive. Everybody see the good. Come on, baby, just to what I'm dreaming of. I plant faith in the ground. Springtime is coming round. I ain't got off this G chord yet, and I ain't ever gonna stop the G sauce, you bet. All loving on the good time every night. Feeling the soul, fucking dang all right. Everybody got a little bit of soul. We covered everything from Eminem to people you know all going to the hospital. Was really scary. Everybody looks that I am kind of dairy. You asked me if it was dangerous for what I do. It's dangerous every day that you go out and drive to. Oh, it's dangerous, man, when you get the stage, when the spotlight hits you right in the daggum face. But I just embrace the rage and everybody says, oh, Drake, you're going to be better than you was one day. I say the best is yet to come. I've already wrote that song and I've already said, people, you put down your daggum phone. Look up at the stars. Oh, it's April 24th. Oh, go get my record in David. Let's go forth. Ah, hey. <laughs> Straight freestyle. I covered the whole podcast in three verses. Oh, I don't know about three verses, but that was a ramble. There's some good stuff in there. I liked it. I liked it. I like that hat. I really like that hat. Is that an original from the tour? Uh, yeah, 88. Good it says night. Alabama Live on it. Can you see it? Oh, I can see it clean as day. I love it. It's corduroy, it looks like. Adam Schwinn gave me this hat. Schwinn bag, bang, bang. Yeah, man, Schwinn bang, bang. Is he still in Tennessee or is he Texas or where's he? No, no, he's in Tennessee. We, we talking, um, talking about some stuff. Man, we got, I talked to my buddy, George Massenberg, who uh, produced the, the Geico commercial. Uh, we're going to do some more stuff with Geico coming up. And um, we're just talking records. And, I mean, this guy produced uh, that live James Taylor record uh, that everybody ate up. Um, and we were talking – Schwinn came up. And uh, we're just talking about the – kind of the progression. And, you know, back to our our conversation of how, how things change, you just got to keep rolling with it. That's the only constant is – Everything changes. And, um, you know, relationships change, people change, things change. But, you know, me, uh, getting back to Adam, we, we talked about him, him drumming and, and what he does and brings to the table is just another, another pot of gumbo. And, and you know, we're going to use him. We want to use him. And it's just like a – it's just like a – it's a, it really makes me happy to think about Johnny Moe and Adam and all those guys about what we went through and what we were able to do and accomplish. And now going back and, and, you know, hopefully you don't ever know. We, we, we may make, make music again one day. And it's just one of those things that's in my mind. Like I said, the fat's trim, none of the old stupid stuff matters. Like go, Go do what you did. Go. I, w- I wish we all could do that. That's how everybody needs to live and, and, and get, get over it, get over this dumb stuff and, and make right where right needs to be made. And, and, 
it's hard sometimes. It's tough. This life is different. Um, it's for everybody. And I see it every day. I, I'm trying to mature now. And, you know, I'm proud of myself a lot of the times that I do mature in my 40s. You know, some people wait till their 60s or 70s. And and I'm trying every day to be better and, and, and see the little things. So I think you're on to it, brother. I'm proud of it. And it's a story that I wanted to, you know, get out there on our platform because, you know, I was watching a lot of episodes lately to see where we've transitioned from and where we've grown. And you've, you've, you know, you pop in on the one where you're on stage in South Dakota, sitting there talking, you're wearing a federal black cloud hoodie. Then you're on one in Kansas with Jesse Lee and, and Mitch and everybody down there on the win a hunt with federal and making the Benelli commercial with Keith and us up in North Dakota. I mean, there was so much that, that people knew you as, as this hunter and, and, and a, and a singer of great songs around a campfire. And I wanted to get this part of the story out because I think that what happens between now and, you know, April 24th and stars comes out and these different constellations and 20 songs by the end of 2020. I think that I want people to have an understanding of what it takes to, to keep it going and, and what Alex did and, and how the fright, the scare, the, the lessons learned, the, 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 you know, the, the homage that you're paying to different people and, and the thank yous given and the support that you've received and your fans being so excited and so thankful that you're coming back in a way to where they get more music, they get more live shows, they get more Wednesday night therapy. I think it's all badass, And I think that what you said today, that everybody has their own journey and this is your and the sooner you grasp onto that and kick it in the, you know, kick it in gear, um, your life will, your lives will be better. I think people are going to learn that not everybody's the same. Do you, and make sure that you do cut the fat, make sure that you do take care of the little things, because that's what in the end, what really matters and visualizing you and Alex on that blanket, looking up at the stars with all the TVs turned off take more time to do that stuff. It does sound cliche because it's been written into so many songs and so many fairy tales. It does sound cliche, but it's not, it's what we need to get back to. So I, 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 I'm, I'm even more motivated now after two hours and 10 minutes of talking that, that, um, you know, that we're, that we're good. You know, that, that there's a lot to be taken out of this and the story continues to grow the high school quarterback, the girl that moved off to Vegas, having a kid at 17, that story continues to grow, continues yeah. to grow. And that kid with that cape on jumping off that plywood ramp, stacked two bricks high that I did thousands of time and never, ever became good at it. Never became good on a trampoline or a skateboard. But to this day, wish I was Tony Hawk and wish that, wish that I could ride a bike like the great BMX riders do. But that kid with that cape on and the helmet and the Superman jersey and, and just dressing up like a goofball and ju jumping off of that ramp and maybe getting a little half inch of air, it doesn't matter to him. That's life. And that's how I'm, that's how I look at life now is that I'm that kid jumping off that ramp and I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about how high I get. I'm going to worry about the people around me that they understand that me jumping off that ramp is me saying, Hey, let's go. Let's dive into this deal. Let's get going together. Yeah. I love that, man. I love it. I, I like, I, I read a quote the other day that Bert Soren with Sornex equipment, uh, put out there and it said uh it said a good plan today ex uh, a good plan executed violently today beats a great plan halfway executed tomorrow i believe that man jump in ask forgiveness not permission jump in and and just do it and that's what i've done with this this record label 
that's what I've done with this music, with this injury, you know, with, with my rehabilitation. I mean, every day, you know, I go out there and, and hike and the limp gets a little, little better every day. The arm, it's like watching the tree grow. My arm gets a little better every day. My hand gets a little better every day. And it's something that I'm, I'm dedicated to. And just go for it, man. Quit asking questions. Quit planning. Everybody over, like, you got to plan, and good plans are good. But there, there's a balance there. Just like we've talked about throughout this podcast. Like, stop asking permission all the time. and that's what I think I've taken out of this. Like you sit there and plan too much. You're going to turn around and be 65, 75, 85. My uncle Ron's 80. It'll be 80 years old, his birthday. And I still think of him as a 40 year old uncle Ron. And man, he'll tell you the same thing. Like all the cliches are true. All the old people are right. Listen to the old people. And Listen to your body. Slow down when your body's telling you to slow down and go when it's telling you to go. And right now my body's telling me to go. You know, it told me that I've been slowed down for since August the 15th. I've been way, way, and I've still got I've still got some ways to go, but it's taught me how to observe even more. Observation. Man, I'm looking at I'm watching hummingbirds come in. I'm watching, you know, bees drill their way up into the wood and actually how they do it. Like I go in and get my phone and, you know, hold it up there and I, and I watch stuff like that. I watch this dogwood bloom out here in front of me and I, and I watched it do it overnight. And, but it wasn't overnight. It was over a week. You know, I watched the, just, just stuff that you would think old people, I truly was born 50 years too late because it, it is all that stuff, the fish jumping around. Like I watched them acting crazy down at the pond the night of the supermoon. Well, that's because the moon was closer to the earth than it's going to be all year. And it was all that gravitational pull was pulling. There was deer everywhere. There was turkeys everywhere. Pay attention. Pay attention as, as leaders. Pay attention as conservationists, as, as musicians. And, and your music will be better. Your relationships will be better your your sportsmanship will be better as far as going out there and being able to to effectively harvest turkeys and deer and ducks you just got to observe which way is the damn wind blowing chad which way is it blowing like which way's west is that way you know knowing that is something that this injury has taught me and that's the mentality that i'm gonna die with that's, I love that's, it. that's the way i look at this yeah, I don't think it's real smart for a guy to to hunt on a full moon night. It's not a those those deer and those turkeys and those ducks. They're up eating when you're sleeping, and then when you go out there, when they're you're you're up ready to uh, hunt them. They're sleeping, and that's uh. It's just a. It's a. It, when you pay attention and you see things like that. Well, why aren't the fish biting today? Well, because they were up all night last night with the moon and the gravitational pull. I mean, there there there's so much to be taken out of just observation and visualization. I've I, I learned visualization process a long time ago in baseball, just through hitting and Ted Williams book and the art of visualization. And I've carried that into a lot of my, in different things in life. But once you th have that part 
so-called quote-unquote master, then you got to move on to observation. And once you get a little bit good at that, then you move on to the compassionate part and, 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 and really having a good understanding of how it all ties in. And that's what I think it's a journey. I think that life is really awesome because you have so many different things to learn. You never quit learning on yourself or other people, on your skills, on your set, of, your skill set and your talents and whatever it is, you just never quit learning, man. And that's why music will never die. You ask yourself a hundred times, how many more freaking guitar licks can be invented? How many more can Slash come up with? How many more lyrics can Drake White come up with? Every song's been sung, right? Nope. It's always going to keep going and evolving. And that's why it's special to be on this earth for what we started this podcast with, what can be a very short amount of time. My dad was 54 and passed away on an archery antelope, pun of a heart attack. You were 34, 35 years old and went through this to where it could have been worse if you weren't in the place that you said you were in. If we we would have been in that place up in Minnesota when you, when you did, when you did that show at that fair, it probably would have been a different story. Cause I've been out in BFE with you on the road. I know what, it, where, where we've been and, and you've been in a lot more places since then, but it's come full circle and you know where you're, what you're doing. You got Alex by your side. I'd appreciate it if today you and Alex send me a little video of that Traeger lid opening when the briskets are coming off, just so I can visualize myself being up on that hill in Nashville, Tennessee and, and smelling that air. And, and, uh, cause we're, we don't have the same weather here, but I'd like to visualize that through a little video. I appreciate yeah. you, brother. Congratulations. April 24th, Drake white stars is released. Check it out. Five songs. This is the first of many consolations coming from the Drake White. Wednesday Night Therapy on Facebook, on Instagram, at Drake White Stomp. Check out drakewhite.com. Is it drakewhite.com or drakewhitemusic.com? Drakewhite.com. Look at the merch. Support these musicians. And just know that everything that he's putting into his music today is exactly what we're going to want to hear tomorrow. He's working on it right now, folks. It's Drake White. His story's awesome. Thank you, Drake White. Any closing words, brother? Y'all be kind to one another. Love each other out there. Yes, sir. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Tom, please hit that button. This song that we lead out of these podcast with on the episodes you've heard me say it a million times please keep supporting the partners and sponsors that support us today's episode again was brought to you by our friends at gerber and jack daniels thank you for everything you do for all of our properties here to all of our sponsors and partners tom hit that button this song was written it's one of those ones drake he didn't mention this one today but along with coast is clear and 50 years too late this song was written by drake and leith lofton this is what you're going to do when the money's all gone thank you all very much this is chad belding another episode of this life ain't for everybody <laughs>